So tonight, I want to talk about trusting God in all circumstances. Yes, trusting God even in those times that we're living in right now. You know, the Bible promises us that we can firmly rest in God's steadfast love. Proverbs 4, 4, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. I've always loved that Bible verse. It's always brought uh, great comfort to me because I know that in myself, I can't do anything, but when I trust in the Lord with all of my heart, I can do anything. And so as we read through Scripture, there's so many wonderful verses and stories of God's people trusting Him. And so tonight, I want to look at Psalm 62, in particular, verse 8. So let's go to the Lord uh, in His Word at Psalm 62, verse 8. It says, Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Isn't that an awesome, powerful verse of Scripture? And so when we think about when David wrote this, we can kind of think about how even more fantastic this Bible verse of promises is. Because when David was writing this, it was uh, at a time when he was being attacked. He was being threatened by his enemies including his son, Absalom. Um, and so this is something that we really cannot relate to as far as being attacked uh, physically uh, by enemies or by our son, I hope. Uh, but we can still, as David did, remember to completely trust God in every circumstance of our life. And so David tells himself in the beginning of this psalm, to trust in God alone. And so as we, I didn't write all of the 12 verses down, but if you go back and go through Psalm 62, um, one thing that you'll notice about Psalm 62 is that when you read it, we see the words alone or only about six times in these 12 verses of Psalm 62. And so in context with these words that are being used, David says that it's for God alone that his soul waits in silence. You know, it's good to wait upon the Lord. You know, we spend all of our lives just waiting for everything, don't we? We wait for our friends sometimes when they say, hey, we're going to meet you at this time. And sometimes we got to wait for them. We got to wait for a table to open up at a restaurant. I remember this weekend, Daniel and I went to man camp and he wanted to go to a restaurant in Frankenmuth on the way home. And of course, it was Sunday afternoon, and so there was a big long line, but we had to wait in that line, and it actually went pretty good. And then as we were sitting down, I looked over at the line, and there was a line out the door. So we kind of waited a little bit less time than those other people did. But, you know, we stand in line and we wait for a table to open up at a restaurant, or we wait at the doctor's office. But sometimes we have a hard time when we have to wait upon the Lord because it's his perfect timing that we have to wait upon. It's not our timing. Sometimes we always want our timing to be. And so David um, is saying that, you know, it's God alone that his soul waits in silence. And so David says that he will wait for God alone in silence. And so that's 
sometimes it's really good for us to just sit in silence and pray to God and wait on his timing. Uh, when we read in the, in the book of Job, um, the first thing that it says that Job's friends did after Satan attacked Job's health was that they sat with him on the ground for seven days and seven nights and spoke, and no one spoke a word to him. They sat with Job in silence. And so Job's friend's initial response to his suffering was good because sometimes it's good to just sit down and just be with somebody in silence when they're going through some type of pain or some type of trial. And a lot of times it's good for us to sit in silence with the Lord and just let the Lord speak to us through his word or through prayer. And so sometimes that's the best response that we can give to somebody is just to sit with them in silence and just be with them. And so we also see that uh, David said, he alone is my rock and my salvation. We see that in verse two. And it's actually, I think, written in verse six as well. So it's written twice in this psalm that he alone is my rock and my salvation. And so no one else, else is worthy of praise, only God. Okay, there's no one else that we need. And when we have the Lord, we have all that we need. And when we focus our relationship with him, and we focus our relationships on him, all of our other world relationships will be better. So David sets his focus on the Lord alone as the one who is able to save him from his troubles, and we can do that too. And so the first thing that we see here in this psalm that we're reading is that we're to trust in the Lord at all times. Trust in the Lord at all times. So David wrote that, trust in him at all times, O people. And so David writes over and over in his psalms how we're to completely trust the Lord. And so here, so earlier in the psalm, David is talking about his trust and why he trusts in the Lord. And so now here, starting in verse 8, you know, he is telling his readers that it is good for him, so it's good for them to trust in the Lord. And just as he can trust in the Lord at all times, so can we. You know, it's good for us to remind each other that the Lord is worthy to be trusted. You know, we can tell others about how we have trusted in the Lord and why we trust in the Lord, and we can help others continue to trust in the Lord um, when they're going through uh, maybe some type of situation where, you know, they need to trust in the Lord. And so we can let them know, hey, you know, I've been through this too, and I trusted in the Lord in this, and, and you can too. So David's telling the people, you know, I trust in the Lord, and this is why, and you can trust in the Lord as well. So we can go to the Lord anytime and for anything. Charles Spurgeon wrote about this and he said, The comforts which David had found, he extorteth others to seek in faith and prayer. And so, yes, we can trust God in all times, even in the difficult times, because we know that life is not predictable. In our lives, we'll have many ups, we'll have many successes. We'll have a lot of high points, but we also know that we're also going to have many downs. We'll have many disappointments, many failures. And it's so much easier 
for us to trust God during those good times, but we also have to remember to trust God during the times that we experience loss or failures or times when things seem unsteady or uncertain. And so what does it mean to trust God? Have you ever heard someone say that you really don't know, say, trust me? You know, how many times have you heard that in your life? You know, there's, there's many times that I've heard that. And so we cannot really truly trust someone that we don't know. You know, so when someone says, trust me, we can have two reactions to that. Either we can say, yes, I will trust you. Or we can say, well, why should I trust you? You know, and in God's case, trusting him naturally follows when we understand why we should. And so many times when I hear someone say that, you know, to trust me, and I don't really know them or I don't have a past with them where I can know that I can trust them, a lot of times I'll just say, ah, no thank you, or, you know, I'll think in my head, okay, well, prove that I can trust you. <laughs> you know, but with someone who you have a relationship with, you know, someone who we know very well, you know, when they say to us, trust me, we're more likely to trust them, right? And so that's how I am. And, but we also have, to, also have to remember that, you know, we're human. And even sometimes those that we know and we trust, you know, sometimes unintentionally, they may, you know, betray our trust as well. So we have to be careful about that. I remember reading about a father who wanted to teach his son about trust. And so what he did was he wanted his son to jump into his arms from the porch while he sat on the lawn where he was standing. And so he told his son, don't worry, son, I will catch you. You can trust me. And after a little bit more encouragement from the father, the little boy finally made that leap. And when he jumped, the father stepped back and he let his son fall on the ground. And after he picked up his son and made sure that he was okay, he dusted him off a little bit, and he said, let this be a lesson, son. Don't trust anyone. And so sometimes, you know, we do have people that we know and we trust fail us, but thankfully this is not how our Heavenly Father is. We can trust him always. He will never pull back from us and, help and let us fall. When we do fall, he is there to pick us up. And so it's the same way with God. You know, we have that intimate relationship with him and we know him and he knows us. And so when we say we trust in God at all times, we're not just saying that. We're saying that we are believing fully in him and, he, and him being reliable in his reliability of his word and his ability and his strength. In Numbers 23, 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? And so this is when God was rebuking Balak and God was saying, you know, that he will do what he says he will do. You know, he will always do that. He does and when God speaks, we can count on his word. And so we can fully trust God because he's not like man that would lie. You know, that's not in his 
Um, that's not one of his attributes. And so that's how I want to be, and that's how I strive to be. You know, I want to follow God and be a man that's true to my word. I've always tried to be like that, but sometimes I may miss the mark, and sometimes, you know, I may, you know, have a mess up here and there, but, you know, I always try to be a trustworthy friend and a trustworthy person. And so even when the circumstances change for me, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm thankful that we serve an unchanging God. Um, you know, I'm so thankful for that. I'm, I'm thankful that we have an unchanging God who does not lie and he does not change his mind. We have a God who we can praise because he is the God true to his word and he is the God of truth. And so we can also trust God because he's proven himself over and over again to be trustworthy to us. You know, every single one of us who are passionate followers of Christ, we can all testify to how God is trustworthy in his word, you know, in our lives, because, you know, he's fulfilled his promise to save us. You know, he uses each and every one of us for his purpose. You know, we are all created by God for his purpose. He has a specific purpose for each and every one of us. And he's given each and every one of us a calling on our life. And so I'm so thankful for that as well. Ephesians 2, 8 and 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's good news. We are God's workmanship. We are his creation. We're something made new in Christ Jesus. You know, in the Greek, workmanship is poiomea, and which is like a work of art. And I am not a big art fan. I don't know if, I don't think I've ever been to an actual art studio or anything, but I do appreciate if I see a piece of art or something online, or if I see a picture, or if I walk into a building and I see a night, I do appreciate that. And there's so many great pieces of art that are so very beautiful. But the greatest piece of art that was created was us. And that was created by God. I once heard somebody said that we are God's beautiful poem that he has written. And so because we are his amazing piece of art that he created and we have that relationship with him and we trust in him and then we can do what David said secondly here is that we can pour out our heart before God. You know, this is such a great description of praying to God and how David prayed to God. And he talked about this many times. You know, David is at a horrible place in his life when he wrote this. You know, as I said, he's being hunted down by his son. And, you know, many of us, you know, we can't relate to that scenario, I hope. But we can relate to the times in our lives that we need to pour our hearts out to God. Has anybody ever been there? that you just want to pour 
your heart out to God. And so if you go back to Psalm 61, 2, it, he says, from the ends of the earth, I cry out to you for help. And so God wants us to pour our hearts out to him. He wants us to cry out to him. And when I looked up the term, pour your heart out, in the dictionary, it says it means to tell someone your secret feelings and the things that you worry about. And so when I was looking at other places in scripture about pouring your heart out to God, I remember the story of Hannah in 1 Samuel 1.15 when she was crying out to the Lord because she was barren and she was unable to have children. And I don't think that the priest Eli saw this type of grief much back then because he accused Hannah of being drunk and he basically told her, sober up, woman. You know, he, he wanted her to sober up and he thought she was drunk. But Hannah told Eli that she's not drunk. And she said to him, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. And so Hannah was bringing every single emotion that she had. All of her pain, all of her sadness, all of her jealousy, all of her disappointment, she was bringing that all to the Lord. And she was pouring that out. And guess what? God can handle that. And God is the only one who is strong enough to carry your burden tonight. We can pour out our hearts to others, and that's okay to do as well, especially to a trusted friend. But God is the only one who can handle the weight of all of our emotions. In 1 Peter 5, 7, he wrote, casting all your anxieties on him, on Jesus, because he cares for you. And that's why we can pour our hearts out to the Lord and we can cast all of our cares upon him, all of our anxieties, all of our, uh, all of our happiness too. We can just cast all that upon him because he cares for us. He's a caring and loving God that wants the best for us. And so there's no wrong way to cast your cares upon him. You know, there's no wrong way to pray to him, him except not to pray. So pouring your heart out to God is more of a personal, private thing that we should approach God with. Um, look at Hannah here in 1 Samuel and then David in Psalm 62. You know, they're not in front of an audience pouring their heart out. As a matter of fact, Hannah didn't even know that Eli the priest was there until he said something to her. So she wasn't putting on a show. David was not putting on a show for all to see here like we see a lot of the Pharisees that were doing you know, when we read in the New Testament, you know, they weren't putting on a show. They were concerned about one person. They had an audience of one, and that was God. And so there's so many times that we can go into our prayer closets or we can go into a room by ourselves and just pour out all of our emotions and cry out to God, and he will hear us. I said this earlier, but I want to read the whole thing. Um, in Psalm 61, verses 1 through 3, David wrote, Hear my cry, O God. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. 
From the end of the earth, I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. And so that's David again, just pouring out his soul, saying, hear my cry, O Lord. Hear me, Father. Listen to my prayer. It's okay to say that to God. We're not demanding it. We're asking him, listen to us, please, Lord. And then here it also says that uh, God has been his refuge. And we also see it here. This is a third point here, is that God is your refuge. David said, God is a refuge for us. We also see this in Psalm 46 when they wrote, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble and the waters surge. And so when I think of the word refuge, I think of a place that I can go to that's safe. I think of a place that I can go to that I can have protection. And so God is our refuge. He is our safe place. He is our place of protection. And knowing that God is our refuge, it helps us be able to trust him more. I also think about the cities of refuge that we see in the Old Testament in Numbers and Joshua. And it reminds me of how Jesus is our hiding place. You know, in those times in the Old Testament, God commanded that when his people came into the possession of the promised land, they would make six cities of refuge for someone who may have killed another person unintentionally. And that way, this person could flee from the avenger of blood who, according to their tradition and Eastern custom, they would pursue and kill this person that unintentionally killed somebody. And so they were to put three on each side of the Jordan River, which were provided for a manslayer who was guilty of like secondary murder. And so those cities of refuge portray how Christ shelters the sinner from death. And so we have fled to Jesus Christ and he is our eternal refuge. He is our eternal safe place. He is our high priest. He will never die. And through him, we have eternal salvation. And so no avenger can touch us because he's already died and rose from the grave. And so these six cities of refuge are beautiful types of Christ to whom we have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. And so also, if you've been with us on Wednesday nights, pastor's been going through the gospel of Mark. And in Mark uh, chapter 4, we read about Jesus calming the storm. And the disciples were terrified. If you remember that, they woke him up and they said, don't you care that we're perishing? They were terrified. But Jesus was their refuge that calmed the storm. Jesus was their protector. And he calmed that storm for them. And so Jesus can calm the storms of your life if you just let him. So David is a perfect example, and that's why I wanted to uh, do this psalm for this, because he's a perfect example 
of someone who knows that God is completely trustworthy and that God is our refuge. And he wrote about this many times in his writings. And so when we pour out our hearts to God, we're asking him to be our refuge. David pours out his heart and so can we. You can right now pour out your heart to God wherever you are. Right here, if you're sitting here tonight or if you're at home, you can pour out your heart to God and you can trust in him in all times, no matter what you're going through. Because God can be your refuge if you just ask him to be. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. That's in John 14, 1. So during your times of fear and doubt and trouble, you can trust that Jesus will be there with you through it all. When we trust in the work that Christ did for us on the cross, we are trusting in that he has done and all that he has done to save us. Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all people who believe in him. And all people who believe in him will be made righteous through his death and resurrection. Christ's death paid the penalty for our sins. And in his glorious resurrection, he conquered death. And that's good news tonight. So you may be listening tonight and you may be wondering, how can I have this trust in God? And how can he be my refuge and salvation? In Acts 16, when the Philippian jailer asked Paul and Silas, how can I be saved? And they told him to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And so that's what you can do tonight. You can pour your heart out to God and ask him to save you. Ask him to be your refuge and cry out to him and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's a promise that God has given to us. And so God's already done the work. All you have to do is receive it in faith, the salvation that he offers. Heavenly Father, I'm just so thankful for tonight, Lord. I'm thankful that you have given us your word, Lord, that we can read and we can study. I'm so thankful for all those times that I've trusted in you, Lord, and that you have um, given me the strength and the courage to go through whatever, no matter if it was a good time or a bad time, Lord, that I can completely trust in you, Lord. I'm thankful for those times that I was able to pour out my heart before you, Lord, and just cry out your name, Lord. And I'm so thankful that you are my refuge, that you are my safe place, my place of protection, Lord God. And so I pray for everybody here tonight, Lord, and everybody watching online. I just pray that you will continue to bless them. I pray that anybody that doesn't know you right now, Lord God, that they will seek you, Lord, and that the Holy Spirit will touch them. And I pray for everybody traveling in the next couple of weeks, Lord. I pray for all of those that are uh, going to be at church on Sunday, Lord, that, that if they bring their family members for Father's Day, Lord, I just pray that that they'll have a great time here hearing your word, Lord, and that you will touch them with what pastor has to say, Lord. 
And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for joining us online. Um, and we will see you next time. Have a great night.